I've always gotten into businesses where there's been a upward trend. And today when I mentor my clients, I, I really look at their industry and I have a saying, whatever industry you're in, look for where the money is flowing in the industry and go there. Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast, where we delve into the stories of successful entrepreneurs so you can discover what's possible. Today's guest is Kieran Sweeney. Recently, I published a blog post and a podcast explaining how I haven't handled my own email in over 12 years. Now, after I released that content, I've had people come up to me going, what do you mean? How have you not handled your email? What, what, do you, what is that? How do you do that? Now, I've been a person who very early on realized that email is a huge time suck. Like you probably are now, I used to deal with all my email myself. I think most people on the planet still do that. Their email inbox is something they see as their own, they have to deal with it. I learned that that inbox, my email inbox, is the biggest productivity killer, time suck, not to mention it goes completely against my goal for the laptop lifestyle. If I want the freedom to travel, to run my business anywhere, I can't be checking my email four or five, six times a day, worrying about you know customer complaints or new jobs coming in. And that's what I used to do until about 12 years ago, I hired my first ever inbox manager. And that was a person who became absolutely vital to not just my business, but my life. It significantly reduced my stress because I think like most people, you're probably getting up early in the morning and handling your email then and possibly spending one or two or even three hours. Your entire morning can be wiped out. Just replying to messages doesn't move your life forward. It doesn't move your business forward. It's kind of like busy work. Or maybe you're coming home at night to the big pile of emails and you've got potential customer queries. You've got clients who are asking for things. These are important messages and you end up losing your entire email when you'd rather be relaxing, spending time with friends or family or even watching Netflix, you know, whatever it is you want to do. But you've got this big pile of email that you know is not going to get smaller unless you go and deal with it. You know, the next day there'll be more emails coming in and the next day there's more emails coming in. So for me, I made sure that once I got rid of it, I never had to deal with it again. So I've had either one or two or even three people handling my inbox specialists for over 12 years now. And I'm very excited to announce as a special new sponsor of this podcast, I'd like to introduce you to inboxdone.com, which is a brand new service essentially offering what I'm talking about here, a dedicated email inbox manager that can become part of your team and really take over what is very likely the single biggest stress point time suck productivity killer in your business and your life, no matter what you're doing. So this person can do as much or as little as you like. They can potentially just come in and come up with some systems, some automatic replies, some templates, and they can just be there clearing your inbox, sorting things for you so you don't have to deal with it yourself and you know you don't have that scattered feeling when you look at your email or email can be taken off your plate completely so your dedicated inbox manager will deal with every message that comes into your inbox and also set up some really intelligent systems for doing things that maybe you don't do right now or maybe you kind of do for example do you have some kind of process for following up with potential customers so people who show interest in buying your products or services maybe just email in a question do you have a intelligent 
intelligently designed process for chasing them up over a period of weeks with several emails. And you know, are you doing that yourself right now? Well, imagine you've got someone who handles that. It's scheduled, it's part of their job to make sure that goes out in a strategic way. The same goes for dealing with potential cancellations or refunds. So if you have a membership site now or payment plans, this person could come up with a, a system for strategically handling those kind of queries to, to reduce your cancellation and refund rate. These are just a couple of ways you can actually increase your profits or reduce your losses with a really tailored, dedicated inbox manager. This is actually, in fact, what we have in my business uh, right now, my information product business with my blog and my podcast and all my teaching products. So if all of this sounds interesting to you, if you'd like to learn more about the service, go to inboxdone.com and you can find an application form there to apply to get your own dedicated inbox manager as well. Just a word of warning though, because of the personalized nature of this service, they can only take on a few clients each month because you do get your own dedicated inbox manager. So that person is specially trained and that takes time. So they have a limit to the number of people they can take on board each month. And really it goes to the best applicants. So do a great job applying. And obviously if you're a great fit for the service, you will get your own dedicated inbox manager and email could be taken completely out of your life. And you'll be able to experience what I've experienced for a long time now, that sense of freedom, relaxation, the idea that, you know, you don't have to stress about this anymore. You don't have to worry about those emails sitting in your inbox. Not only that, you don't have to worry about whether you're doing a good enough job replying to those emails because you could be losing sales right now just because you're not chasing up in an intelligent way. So I encourage you to go check out inboxdone.com. I really recommend their services. Hello, this is Yara Stark. Thank you for joining us today. Today I have a guest who I recently met in San Diego and while there for some internet marketing conferences, I was especially interested in meeting people from my new hometown, Vancouver. For those of you who don't know, I recently returned to Vancouver and I actually was quite surprised how many people at the San Diego conferences were from Vancouver, including my guest today, Kieran Sweeney. Now, Kieran, I wanted to speak to because he's built out a fairly substantial uh, training and mentoring business uh, around around the world of entrepreneurship training, uh, but doing, I guess, like complete business in the sense there's there's workshops, there's one-on-one, there's group training, and, and what that kind of business looks like when it's fully developed is something I've been interested in because it's it's something that I think a lot of people struggle to fully realize. You know, we all want to do some sort of private mentoring. We also want small groups. We want to have the full funnel of training. And it, it seems to me Kieran's been able to do that, but he's also been able to do a whole lot more in his career. So we're going to find out exactly what that entails. Kieran, thank you for joining me. Hey, thank you. Nice to uh, hear your voice again. And I always like your voice. It's got this nice, gentle, soft, <laughs> and but powerful. You know, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yes. Good for uh, podcasting, I guess, too. So, Kieran, so uh, I, as I said to you off air, I really don't know much about your background. So I'm actually really curious to hear the really early day stuff. But just briefly before we jump back in time, what I just said, um, I felt like it might be a bit vague to some of our listeners. Maybe just drill down exactly what you help people do today in all these various mentoring and training programs you offer. 
Yeah. So, well, I, I run an academy called Breakthrough Entrepreneur Academy, and I specialize in helping solo entrepreneurs build their business from a five-figure to a six-figure revenue and then on to a seven-figure. Everybody has different results depending on what type of business they're in and uh, what type of person they are and what their, you know, their willingness to work hard. You know, success is work, hard work. And I really drill that into people. There's an impression that you can make money easily because of all the things that are online and it, it's not really true but you know success comes from persistence consistent doing certain things in a certain way over and over and just working hard at it and you know so with entrepreneurs in my academy they're all very interesting people that are passionately in love with what they do they work they all have unique skill sets and talents and they are amazingly 90 percent of my clients are women mm. yeah and, it, and it's well yeah but it's it's interesting that that happened and and i think what i like about it is that i find working with women clients they really do the work they also like to work more in community. So a lot of my clients, they team up together, they work together, they support each other. It's really, it's been a great experience for me to witness that. And it's really helped me become a better teacher for women. And, and you know, so it, it's kind of cool. It's a unique uh, <laughs> involvement. So I okay. do have some, I do have some men clients, but you know, basically, I'm helping them build. I'm helping women entrepreneurs and men build their businesses uh, to six and seven figure revenue. And is that digital businesses, physical businesses? What What's the? Is there a specific type? Yeah, it's all physical businesses. So a lot of my clients are. I, I do have uh, coaches, business coaches. I do have a therapist. I've got a home renovator. I've got uh, teachers, uh, tutors. I've got uh, one lady works in uh, management consulting. Works with nonprofit organizations, things like that. So it's kind of pretty diversified my client base. So mm. I have a uh, yeah physiotherapist who's a, nat- a natural bodybuilder. So it's very diversified. Okay. So I'm curious, have you always been a teacher? Like if, if we go back to, uh, well, let me ask the, the first question. Where were you born and raised? Are you originally a Vancouver person? Or? Not at all. Ah. I, come, I come from Irish stock. Ah. So that last that thing a, gives it I, away. <laughs> yes, Sweeney. Well, Kieran's a very Irish name. So I come from an Irish background. My mom and dad are from Dublin, but I was born in uh, Luton, England, just north of London. And, I've uh, been to that airport. Been to the airport, yeah, and, and they're renovating it finally. So um, I've been. Uh, then I, I, when I was five, we moved. To, my parents emigrated to Canada, so I grew up in Toronto, and uh, that was really my home. And I, you know, in a lot of ways, I still call it home. And I prefer to live in Vancouver, but Toronto is where I basically established my life, I guess. Mm. So you went to school there, university there. Correct. Now, what did you take at university? I studied international relations. When I uh, left high school, I had an opportunity to work uh, down in the developing world, and I was accepted on a program called Canada World Youth, and I worked in doing volunteer work, kind of mission work in Colombia, South America. So I was down there for a year, 
And then I came back and I went to you. I was influenced through that experience to pursue work in the international field. And so I, I got a degree in uh, international relations. And then I spent, after that, I spent another year traveling the world with another exchange program. And I was over in China and all over the US and Canada. And then I got uh, my first contract was with a company that was working with the United Nations. And we were working on an environmental report. And then I got a job in the Ontario government in their foreign relations department. And this is kind of where the entrepreneur started to reemerge. I'll tell you the, the original entrepreneurial root story in a bit. But while I was in government, I had discovered that there had been a program running previously that was bringing Ontario business leaders and educators over to Europe to study the uh, European education system and how it's very integrated with business and trades. And so I proposed putting this program back on the map and it was accepted, it was funded. And at the age of 28, I'm leading presidents of universities and colleges and business leaders on these junkets over to Europe. So. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty interesting, and I did that for uh, five years. I also held a lot of incoming missions. So we had ministers from the Middle East and from various parts of Europe and China, and I was involved in organizing all that. and And one of them was uh, actually uh, Nelson Mandela. When he was released from prison, he came to. I think it was in '88. Uh, he came to Canada, and so I was part of the organization of that, and uh, that was a pretty phenomenal experience. Was or were the European teaching institutions doing something significantly different to what we do here in North America, or that is that why you were going there? Yeah, I think I think it's evolved here in North America now, or especially in Canada. But basically, it's the they call it in Germany they call it the dual system. So the trades colleges or schools are uh, very integrated with the industry. So if you're studying, let's say you're studying to be a mechanic you'd spend a lot of your time studying on site at a car company. And so we would go to Mercedes-Benz and Porsche and other companies and, and visit. And you'd actually see the students in classrooms, in the industries, also doing their apprenticeships. So it's our system has evolved since I ran that program. But I think that program helped create that type of learning hands-on practical learning here in North America. The mm. University, of, University of Waterloo really championed it in Canada. Yeah, it's funny how we get that kind of training for trades, which obviously makes complete sense. You don't really try to learn a trade just from textbooks. You have to do the trade, right? But mm-hmm. I know for myself, in a business degree in Australia, I had absolutely zero hands-on uh, practical experience. It was all theoretical from textbooks and teachers, nothing actually inside someone else's business. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it might have changed since I went to university, but it seems so obvious in, in hindsight when you think about it, right? Because as an entrepreneur, you even give the same advice. You, you can't really learn how to become an entrepreneur by simply thinking about it. You actually have to go out there and try and sell something, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's any trade. It's the same kind of idea. With the progression of your career there, it sounds like you were at least exposed to the world of teaching early on, and and you're clearly still a a teacher. So is this from that point when you're 28, did you continue to kind of stay on this career path or what happened next? I was influenced to be a teacher by my father. My father was a teacher, so he wanted me to be a teacher, and I was like, I never want to be a teacher. But 
in a funny way, I became a teacher. So <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, I, I was really excited to step into the business world after working in the government for five years. And, you know, I'd found a product that was a ski product. I'm a skier. And I found this really cool product and I got the rights to distribute it in Canada and eventually ended up buying the patent for it. Mm-hmm. And so I, that was my first business. And I, what does I did it do, a, Karen? What's the, it's a ski carrying device. It's a strap that Velcro fastens around around your skis above and below the bindings and in the strap there are these two uh, holes that are cut out where the you can slide your poles through and then you just sling it over your shoulder so mm. you could carry them hands free so it was a cute little product it sold for uh it originally sold for 10 bucks and I, I used to like sell them at consumer ski shows and then eventually we went retail and it sold for you know anywhere from 15 to 20 bucks but it was a really it was a really fun entry into the business world i learned a lot from it and you know and then I just kind of carried on from there was that your like did you actually quit your job to start selling this ski product or was it a side gig or yeah I was kind of reaching the end of my time in government because things had changed the government changed they cut budgets and that program I was running got cut and I was like yeah, I just wasn't enjoying the work and I got invited to a Bob Proctor seminar mm. and I went to an evening preview which of course led to going to a five five-day workshop down in California, and I spent five days in Laguna Beach with Bob was one of the teachers, Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen, a guy named Dr. Lee Poulos, who's from Vancouver, and another gentleman who's passed away now, Leyland Van Vandewal. And that seminar really opened me up. I mean, it got me jacked up. It got me excited. I came back like I was like on fire. Everybody was saying, what happened to you? Like My energy was at peak. And I came back, and first thing I did is I handed in my resignation. <laughs> I got... Did you I have got, a plan? I, no, no plan. Okay. <laughs> I just, I just had a business that I liked, and I just realized, you know what? I wanted the freedom. I wanted to be able to go out and make money, and it was just that time was ready. I was ready, and that seminar just completely changed my thinking. My thought patterns, my conditioning was all wrong. And, you know, I was raised in an Irish Catholic family. I was influenced by religion. I was influenced by, you know, limiting beliefs and don't spend money. You know, you got to hoard your money and all of these things. So I had a really different programming than I do now. And it was really not only my mind opening up to possibly, but really getting over my limiting beliefs and my fears. Because I remember being in business part-time and being afraid to step into it full-time and lose that job security, that pension, that benefits, and all, mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. all that stuff that keeps people hooked into a job. And I just remember just having this vision of, of crossing the line. I'm going to cross the line. And I just crossed the line and never look back. Now, I can only imagine uh, how different it is from being within a government department working to suddenly being out on your own with this I'm assuming your ski product was the first thing you wanted to get off the ground mm-hmm. did you like did you just sort of make it up as you went along was there someone continuing to give you business coaching you know given that you're today a, a trainer and a mentor in this area did you have a, a, a business mentor yourself with that skiing business or was that just like your kind of Early days, you know, see what happens, throw things against the wall, what works out, works out. 
Well, I'm glad you mentioned it because, yeah, it was pretty much that. Throw it against the wall and see what sticks. You know, I didn't have a mentor initially. I did learn from other young entrepreneurs. And, I, you know, when I went to these ski shows, I met other young entrepreneurs. And, and you know, we had so much fun. We partied. We did all kinds of crazy things. We traveled together. We'd meet up in different cities. We had a blast. But I was influenced and, and I got to listen to other people. And I, I also, you know, I ended up getting my product distributed by a U.S. distributor. And, and so, I, you know, I learned from him. And then I would learn from all the people I sold to at retail, some of the business owners. But when I went to that seminar in California, I met a guy named Doug Maharg. And he was a very wealthy real estate investor in uh, just north of Toronto in, in Markham. And he became my mentor. And he, he actually approached me and he said, you know, I really like you. I like how you carry yourself. I'd love to have lunch with you. So after the seminar, we came back to Toronto and I, I had lunch with him and he invited me to work with him on a new business. And then I'd sold the company at this point, or no, it was shortly after I'd sold the company. I can't remember the exact timing, but I pursued this other business with him and he was just like, so smart. He, he, was, he was a former carpenter, grade nine education, and was a multimillionaire. And so for me, I was looking at that as, okay, well, you don't have to be smart. Um, <laughs> Go <book> smart. <laughs> <laughs> but he taught, me, he taught me a lot about business. But the one thing he taught me was to, you know, when we were starting the business, I said, why don't I give you a budget and tell you everything we need? So I put a budget together and a list of things we need. And he looked at it and, and he just said, we don't need this. And I said, why? And he goes, because we haven't made any money yet. Mm. I was thinking because he was wealthy, he was just going to fund it. But he's like, you know, you sell first. And that's what he taught me. Sell first and we'll get the desk. Then we'll get the, we didn't have, a, I don't think we had a computer back then, but you know, he didn't believe in, in putting a lot of money into things until something was tested. So, what so was that was that kind business? of my, we had a business in the food business, which we were marketing a US-based companies, kind of a franchise. And it worked okay, but there were issues with the franchisor. So he decided to eventually back out. But we transitioned that into a food export business. And we built that up together. And we were selling products into the US market. The reason we did this is because at the time, the Canadian dollar was very low against the U.S. dollar as it is now. And so we were focusing on marketing Canadian products into the U.S. market, and we were making all of our profit on the exchange rate. Wow. So we were making like 30%. And then by 1998, the dollar had gone so low that we were actually, every time we cast a check, we were making 63% just on the exchange rate. <laughs> yeah, I had a similar <laughs> experience in Australia at one stage. So it was yeah. crazy. Before we move on with your story, though, I feel like I have to clarify something about the skiing product here. Did that become your full-time income? Like, we kind of really didn't touch on that business. Sound like it worked, right? You, you went to trade shows, you found buyers, and you eventually sold the company. Was that life-changing, or was that just a, a small starting point? What was that? Yeah, it was a starting point, and, you know, I didn't sell it for much, it was my foundation. But because it was in the ski industry, it was kind of like a part-time thing because you could only sell two times in the year. In the right. You take orders for retail in the spring and then you sell at ski shows in the fall. Usually by December, the ski shows were all over. Right. And then, you know, the rest of the year was just like 
coordinating manufacturing and but I had a plant that made the products in, in LA and that was all set up and there was nothing more to do I just place orders they make them and ship them mm-hmm. and yeah it was it was pretty easy so I had a lot of time in the year and that's why I got involved with Doug work because I had more time to put into other things as well right so I was going to say did the skiing business is it pay your bills because obviously you quit your job so that's that kind of scary time where you're probably living off savings right so we were doing trade shows and we'd walk out with ten, twenty thousand dollars in cash. Okay. Great little starter oh, business. Doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So <laughs> for a job for... that paid uh, thirty six thousand a year at the time. Yeah. I was <laughs> making ten grand in a weekend. I was happy. <laughs> I can imagine. Plus your sounds like you're skiing probably half the time anyway, right? So, <laughs> so you went from skiing to food export from, from Canada into the States. Quite a diverse well switch there that, that there's no real I can't see an obvious overlap. Maybe there is one there that you could tell us about, but it sounds to me like you weren't specifically, you know, looking to get into an industry as much as you were looking to just be an entrepreneur. Is that accurate to say? Well, let me tell you why I went from skiing to food. So one of the things I really looked at and I learned early in business is to follow trends. So when I got into the ski business, it was in the 80s and there was a big, big boom in the ski industry back then. It became... Like, you know, Whistler was growing and becoming an international destination. Vail was growing, becoming an international destination. So skiing was on the uptrend. And then when we got into food business, we got into the, in the mid-90s, it was all about healthy eating. The whole non-fat market was developing. So we, we kind of leveraged that. And so I've always gotten into businesses where there's been a upward trend. And today when I mentor my clients, I, I really look at their industry and I have a saying, you know, whatever industry you're in, look for where the money is flowing in the industry and go there. So if you're in the food business and there's a trend in, you know, low carb or gluten free, go there. Obviously, there's a trend in the whole health side again and vegan and everything. So look for, I call them micro niches. If you can find a niche and then find a niche within the niche, you have a better chance of making a lot more money because one, you've got an identified, a very identified isolated market but you can charge more. And so that's a key thing for me in business is looking for these trends and following them. Right. So you were riding the the sort of food trend at the time of the 90s. How far did you go with that company? Ooh, we went till 2005. Oh, okay. So that was yes, but a good- again, But again, it was it was not a full... See, here, here's the way I set it up. I... I didn't own a manufacturing plant. I had other companies, I had large food companies make my products for me, and then we would export them to the U.S. So basically, I was kind of like an order taker. I had a brand. I had a brand that we marketed our products under, and then and we had this Canadian identity. So we called it True North Canadian Foods, and we had this... Canadian branding and Americans had it was the time there was a, there was a, a drink that came out here called Clearly Canadian and that that's kind of what we modeled our business after and you know there was a perception in the United States that Canadian is healthy pure clean all that so we kind of leveraged that and we sold into that so we followed that trend and we just kept building it but I didn't have to do anything but really just sell 
And so my role in the company was just basically on the phone talking to customers. And we had large clients. We sold to a company in the States called Cracker Barrel Restaurants. And you know they're known for their high fat and you know heavy foods. But they also wanted to get into the uh, healthier side of the market because they saw that there was a trend. And so that's how we got that business because they wanted to offer some healthy choices on their menus. And then we uh, picked up Princess Cruise Lines. And so those were flagship account. So what I did is I really just put a lot of effort into nurturing those accounts and really making sure that I was providing great customer support, great products, and just be consistent. And it worked out beautifully. So it sounds like the core skill set you were growing this entire time, you were an entrepreneur at least, was was sales. Is that accurate to say? Like that was the main... 100%. Right. I don't want to do anything else. So is that- like operations and management and all that? That's not me. So, and this is what I teach every entrepreneur. You know, if you're going to be in business, you have to sell. And a lot of people resist selling. I did. I was afraid to sell. I was scared. I used to sit there and look at the phone, and it, it was a mindset thing. And I got over it because I started to change my thinking around selling. And my thinking was simply, you know, if I'm adding value and if I'm giving people a really good product and it's helping somebody in a certain way, then why should I resist selling? It's something I believe in. And it's like today, I never really feel like I'm selling my programs. I have something that works. I have a system that works and I just tell entrepreneurs about it. And I've got lots of evidentiary proof that my system works because a lot of my clients are doubling and tripling their revenues and, and it's just, it works. So, so I don't worry about selling and I'm not a big promoter. You don't see me splashing the internet a lot. I'm just kind of like, I get a lot of my clients from referrals actually. Mm, right. Can we just take maybe like uh, five minutes here just to talk a little bit more about sales since it sounds like this has been your strength that you've been developing for a long time and even the way you're talking about your programs today you have that sense of i know this works you know i can teach this i've been teaching it it works i see my clients get results are there one or two things you could sort of mention that really makes the difference especially when it comes to all these different types of companies because you know when you were doing what you were doing with skiing product and food products it sounds like that might have been a lot of on the phone and then maybe some face-to-face pre-internet period, of course, as well. Yeah. Now yeah. now the internet's around, it's a little different, sales isn't always on the phone. What would you say to people listening in now, if, if like, what are the one or two things that people really need to learn, become better at, at sales as an entrepreneur to help their business? It's really simple. If you have a product or a service that you believe can impact thousands of lives in a positive way, then you don't have to worry about selling. All you have to do is get your message out there. You do have to promote and market. And there's a big difference between marketing and selling. You know, marketing is building awareness, it's branding, it's showing what you have. In a process of sales, it's simply showing a client how you can get them from their current reality, their current state, to their desired state, their desired reality. You might have heard this saying, you know, the definition of an entrepreneur is solving other people's problems for a profit. And so when you really look at business, most businesses' products and services are solving a problem. So if I'm hungry, that's a problem. 
I go to the store and I buy some food. If I have a cut on my skin, that's a problem. I go get a Band-Aid or antiseptic. Uh, if I have problems carrying my skis and I've got three kids and I want, Daddy, can you carry my skis? I have a problem. So I get a three ski carriers and now I can just throw all my kids' skis over my shoulder. Entrepreneurs come to me because they have a product or a service they're passionate about, but they want to learn how to scale their business. And and so that's a problem. So they come to me and I solve the problem. So when you really look at most products and services, you're just solving another person's problem. So if your product and service can positively impact somebody's life, that's all you have to look at it. And all you have to do is show the value. And they're going to buy from you if they like your product, they like you, and they trust. And they're not always going to buy today. But if you if you keep your image out there, if you keep putting the message out there, like I did a post yesterday, I have a, a course coming up called Publish in 90, where we teach people how to publish a book in 90 days. And already I've got three registrations simply from a post. And it's like, okay, that worked. (laughs) So these people have seen those posts before because I've engaged with them previously. But they didn't buy the last time, but they're buying this time. So people are going to buy when they're ready. And that's all you have to remember. And it's just getting it out to enough people, getting your message out to enough people that you start to build a really profitable business for yourself. So where do you find most of your your clients drop the ball? Like where where's the big uh, blockage for them when it comes to this sort of advice? Drop the ball on like when you say this to them or when you look at their business, you know, they say I want to grow but I'm not growing or I can't get to this next level and you say, well, you know, the advice is it's that getting awareness out and sales where are they not doing what they need to do to get to that next level? Well, most people are not selling. So so if you can spend I'll go back to the days of Bob Proctor. You know, Bob taught me make 50 calls a day. I'm like, "What?" He goes, <laughs> "50 calls a day." But if you do 50 calls a day, you're going to see a, a significant shift in your business. But a lot of people won't do 50 calls a day. So a lot of my clients, some will do it, most won't. So if you did 20 a day, you'd see a significant difference in your business. And you know, a call isn't always just to make the first sale. A call is a follow-up. Most sales happen between the 8th and 11th call or follow-up. So even like email and texting and, and all that or chatting through Facebook, those are follow-ups today. They're touches. We call them touches. So it's important to be touching on your prospects constantly without annoying them and just stay in touch, stay in touch. And you know, I stay in touch with everybody. You know, Even if somebody annoys me, I stay in touch with them because I find that even through just that little bit of outreach every once in a while, it leads to something. I have this person who asks me a lot of questions on Facebook and I'm always answering. And I have no business relationship with this person whatsoever, but they're always asking me for tips and suggestions and whatnot. But it's resulted in them referring a client to me. So which, you know, becomes a fifteen thousand dollar client, right? Mm. So so all of a sudden, you know, you start to look at things in life and it's like, you know, be open to everybody. Be willing to serve everybody. Don't always be attached to the dollar. You know, this academy is only three years old and it's building, it's doing well. It's not a phenomenal success yet, but I'm still in the process of like every business I've built, it takes a while to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And and part of starting a business is a bit of a trial and error. Often you'll think it's going to go a certain way. You'll have an idea and a plan, but then 
nah, that didn't work, but that's working. And well, that's working better. And and so for me, I've been going through this whole past three years of really refining my model to get it to a point where, okay, now I know what's working. Let's connect the dots then, Kieran. There's, I'm assuming that up to 2005, you were exporting food and you were the sales guy as part of that business. Yeah. What, hap- what happened next? Because we're missing a few years to get you to essentially what you do today, mentoring and, and you know, Training. Yeah, well, I was uh, I was recruited into a software company, and I was doing sales training and, and helping them do business development. And then that's kind of what led to in 2006, I was invited to an, one of these seminars. And a year later, I took one of their courses where you could be trained to be a facilitator. And a year later, I was one of their lead facilitators. And so for five years, between 2007 and 2012, I was was, you know, traveling all over the world, teaching you know these empowerment seminars, uh, business training seminars, and I ended up teaching you know to over a quarter million students in five continents and sold over thirty million dollars for the company. But mm. keep in mind, this was a big machine, right? Like, you know, for me to sell that kind of money required a big machine behind me. But you know, it was a great experience, and it kind of launched me into this arena where I'm more. What I realized in that experience was that, you know, I'd, I'd say about 95% of the people who took all these seminars never really did much with it. And and what was missing was the real close mentoring, uh, guiding people to success. And and so when I started the academy in Vancouver, that's that's what I put my focus and emphasis on. I was right. I was. It's really the mentoring that, that's making mm. the biggest difference. Yeah. How did you find the transition from being you know, the entrepreneur slash sales guy in a company to being less of the doing the work to teaching other people how to do the work kind of role. Did you like really find that easy to transition? Did you love it? Because obviously there's a difference between running a business and teaching others how to run theirs, right? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's my passion. I, I, I love it. I mean, you know, when I go back to my childhood days, you know, when I was around seven years old, I started to notice that, you know, I was always good at like talking to people and giving them support and counseling them. And, you know, as I grew into my teenage years, I, I always remember people coming and talking to me and saying, you know, I really feel comfortable talking to you. And you give me such good insight and things like that. So I kind of always had this counselor side of me as well. And, and so, you know, today it's called a mentor, whatever you call it, but it's taking all those 30 years of experience now and life's experience. And, you know, it's not all business. There's life challenges all wrapped into that too. You know, I've had my ups and downs. I've had my challenges. The last two years I've been dealing with a, a challenge that's just been an annoyance, but, and it's a card that was dealt to me and I'm getting through it and I'm just going to, I take everything as a lesson and I know it'll serve me in some positive way mm-hmm. I, so it's like but that experience allows me to guide other people as well and uh, you know I've been I've been recently trained in a new uh, process of helping people move through stress and trauma and stuff and it's really helped me a lot to work with clients on a different level as well so yeah so just sort of kind of wrapping up the interview I'm curious what does your business look like today and, and what are you doing in the business? Because one of the things I kind of touched on at the start of this interview was it feels like you've found a really good balance as this sort of mentor who's got a, a full-blown teaching business 
And like, for example, people who follow me, we're all always talking about selling digital products, online courses, membership sites. You know, we mentioned workshops, but it sounds like you've really, and you mentioned before, you, you believe that mentoring is really important to help business people actually execute on the training they're getting. So you speak today, you mentor, you do small group training. What is everything you do and how have you balanced all those different aspects of your current business? It's not a lot of work what I do because I teach a course every three months. I run a group coaching every three months, so you know, in one of the off months. And then I do one-to-one, but I'm starting to target more one-to-one coaching. I'm starting to position myself to a higher paying client, working with people that are already successful and established and mentoring them to whatever they want to be mentored towards, to achieving you know, whatever it is in life. It doesn't always have to be about making more money or increasing your sales. You know, Some people are looking for guidance and mentorship in other areas of life. So when, when you kind of look back at my entire life and everything I've done, it's been very diverse. And so I, I've got a lot to draw on to give expert advice and to give guidance to people. And a lot of it's also just a natural intuitive wisdom that you know I'm very plugged in spiritually. So I get downloads a lot and I get a lot of guidance from you know what I call my higher source. So you know I just really just rely on that. And it's kind of interesting. It's like this. I first became aware of all this in Think and Grow Rich. And Napoleon Hill talks about you know the radio station, how the mind works like a radio station. It's like a transmitter. So you're constantly sending and receiving signals. So I started to notice this, that I have these intuitive gifts, if you will. Uh, I, everyone's got them. You just got to open up and be more aware of them. But it, it's just amazing what comes in. And so when I'm working with a client, I'm often getting this information coming to me where I can uh, guide them and you know the only way I can validate whether that information I'm getting is working is to see what happens in their business and everybody goes out implements what I ask them to do and boom it, it just it just happens mm. I was gonna say it doesn't like looking at like you said earlier you're not really all over the internet marketing yourself a lot of your customers come through referrals so like I don't see any content and even the way you're presenting at your website, uh, kieransweeney.com, you're not talking law of attraction, think and grow rich, spiritual aspects of business. You know, you're not saying heart-centered business mentor like a lot of other people nowadays are doing, yet that's still kind of coming into what you do. That's funny you say that because a promoter said that to me recently. We are actually in the process of redesigning that site because you're right, it doesn't speak that message. But you want it to, is that what you're sort of yeah, saying? Yeah, definitely, definitely right. want it to, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that, that's, I would call that a trend right now, but possibly it's just the reality of, of, of life too. So yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Besides Kieran, uh, I should, obviously we'll put the link for this in the show notes, kieransweeney.com. Is there any other websites you'd like people to check out your work at? Yeah, we have Breakthrough Entrepreneur Academy, so they can go there. And then there's also a free book called Life's Golden Buckets. It's a financial money management system, lifesgoldenbuckets.com. It's a free download. And then my book uh, on Amazon is called Thoughts, just the word thoughts with an S. And uh, it's all about how you think and how you can really attract what you want in your life just by really mastering the power of your thoughts. Mm, yeah, you're going going deep into the 
that, that side of, of uh, manifestation. At the end of the day, it's to me, it's like that's what it really is all about. And a lot of my mentors, that's what that's what turned me on in the beginning with these seminars that I went to and and learning all about the mind power and how things worked. And originally, I thought it was all a bunch of nonsense, but I, you know, have learned through experience in life that it's very powerful. Mm. Yeah, it is interesting considering you had Jack Canfield and Bob Proctor as very early teachers there at that seminar you went to, they would have been certainly espousing yeah. things like, yeah, your, your thoughts become things and, and that sort of lesson. So it's, I guess, full circle. And now you're doing the same thing, right? So Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Awesome, Kieran. Thank you for taking the time to share your story. I know I'll probably see you more while you're in Vancouver anyway, but I appreciate you sharing the story with, with the listeners. Yeah, let's get together and uh, have lunch sometime. It'd be nice to sit with you. Sounds good. Awesome. Take care. Thanks for the interview. Thank you. Right, bye. Hey, this is Yarrow. If you enjoyed this episode of the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast and you'd like to receive an email every time we release a brand new interview as well as receive a series of the very best EJ podcast interviews from the archives, then I recommend you go straight away to Interviews Club. That's interviewsclub.com. Enter your email address there and then you'll be signed up to receive all the latest podcast episodes as soon as they're released. You'll get an email direct to your inbox. That's interviewsclub.com. Next time on the EJ Podcast. The awesome thing about courses is I stopped work on that course pretty much entirely. I haven't produced a YouTube video or a blog post or anything in over six years now. And it still cranks out revenue every single month. And it's all organic. We really don't do any ads. It's just organic search YouTube. So it's, it's amazing. It's been on autopilot now for over six years and still generating really nice revenues. And when did you first launch it? How long ago? 13 years, I think. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur's Journey podcast, the original entrepreneur interview podcast established in 2005. For more episodes, head over to ejpodcast.com. See you next time.